2: And founder of LA Street Art Gallery,
1: James Chen of
0: Paint the Count Podcast, episode 182. What's up, bro? Dude, I'm stoked. Uh, how do I sound? You sound amazing, man. And, uh,. <laughs> The audience I feel very that-
1: mobile also I've got my new uh headset that you you brought by uh for me and dropped off with the little microphone hanging off of it so uh and I don't have to have that big bulky thing right next to me and I kind of don't have that envy anymore of guys that have the big fancy uh
0: microphone you know <laughs> yeah it definitely this does is work. very mobile I like this you know Yeah. yeah I mean you know it was kind of echoey with with uh it being in the garage right so you know i figured yeah this look-
1: kind of tunes in like right here close to my mouth right
0: yeah you don't hear yeah.
1: the do you hear the uh refrigerator motor
0: no not at all but i do hear really? if you i do hear you if you so don't eat anything you know yeah <laughs>
1: While you're doing i'm gonna that. have a drink of my my drink here but that, uh and that no, adds to the eat. effect
0: you know people people, people like hearing no that. asmr what is it ams asmr what is it yeah, asmr yeah you know <sighs> never <sighs> understood that no it's never weird though that. yeah some people get like relaxing when people talk like in a certain tone and they listen to that shit before they go to sleep man so it's oh, i can, it's not- yeah i can understand that i just like I thought it had to do with chewing or something also. Mm, I mean, people get get off on different types of noises. So uh, it's kind of interesting. But um, what but does I mean, it stand for? ASMR, any idea? Um, let, me, let, me, let me look it up. won't you yeah, uh, look that up, let me see here.
1: If you'll notice right next to me, I got
0: my Zelinsky stencil that I just cut actually earlier today amazing timing, man. very clutch, man. Like, uh, you know, these things happen and you, you know, I mean, you got to stay. Current, I was hoping so. to get it done before he dies, man. I mean, he could die
1: any fucking minute. You well, know? well shit, like, that's, man. that's one of the things that just scares the hell out of me about this
0: guy is he's so, you know, he's so damn brave. He's not leaving, you know, well, he's, well, uh, he's staying put. What's crazy is that he literally was, he's holding it down for comedians all over the world, man. I mean,
1: it, yeah, I also wanted to, uh, I kind of needed to get it done uh today because tomorrow i'm actually going to florida to take care of my dad and um you know i just uh needed to get this done before i go um not going to tell you where i'm going to put it uh i'm just gonna have to check the uh check my
0: feed Mm, i'm looking forward to it man but very clutch timing um you know well very inspiring dude man i mean good grief yeah i mean i can't believe uh You know, he's doing a pretty good job, I think, representing the people, giving the people hope, bringing the people together. Right. And uh, especially during this time of need. I mean, uh, my heart goes out to the Ukrainian people. I've been to the uh, the Ukraine Lviv before. It's, uh, you know, um, my uh, cousin actually got married to a Ukrainian girl and I went there for a wedding, actually. Beautiful town. Um, very still old world I think there's still like castles and stuff like that you know over there wow, nice. But uh, <clears throat> I never got the chance to go to Kiev because actually uh, or Kiev actually uh, because um, you know when we were supposed to go there the, the war had actually already started there this was many years ago like around 2015 uh, when they took right. Crimea uh, yeah and then during that period of time actually I had a gig out in the Crimea at this one place at Whoa. this festival called Kazantip and uh dude you know i never got to DJ that festival so fucking vladimir putin man fuck you dude (laughs) yeah fuck him and everything but dude i'm not about to i
1: mean dude usually whenever uh, a country is being you know invaded and they're going after the the head of the state that dude gets the fuck out of there you know he's like okay uh yeah you guys fight let's go and then he gets in a plane and leaves yeah yeah. this dude's like doing selfies in the streets and taking videos in the streets with his commanders and everything it's like dude i'm right here i'm not
0: going anywhere he's a real dude Um, man like that's what i love about it i mean there's there's something you know i actually listen i mean i was told that uh his comedy is very jim carrey like actually too so (laughs) you know so if you can just imagine it's hard to you you know president being uh wow but at the end of the day i mean there's a time to be serious and there's a time to be funny right and he's Taking the job very seriously. I mean, this was the same guy that Trump tried to bully. <laughs> Remember back? <laughs> Remember like a little oh, bit yeah. again? Tried right? to blackmail him, kind of. Yeah, right over the phone. So I mean, like this that guy's perfect def- call. It was a perfect call. This guy's definitely got some balls, man, and uh, I definitely you know respect the hell out of this guy, man. Um, but yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to uh, our guest today, man. I mean, uh, he's not in the waiting room yet, but you know he's uh, y- you know one of the reasons. I started um, uh, DJing, man. When I, when I was like first, uh, um, how did wait?
1: How did that happen?
0: When I first started DJing. Well, like,
1: how, did how did he th- uh, end up influencing you to want to DJ?
0: Well, uh, well, it's just like he was probably one of the most famous DJs, like in the I don't know the year two thousand. I would say, you know. So I, I was really really young at that time, and this music was. The music I make is like electronic dance music, right? And then it was just like, um, take a look at this picture right here, man. Um, hold on. Okay, so this is Mars who's about to come on the show today. And then he's uh, oh, cool. working with the analog. Are those dreads? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're dreads. Basically. Wow. But check the dreads. Check this out. He's playing with this like massive analog oh my synthesizer. God, it's huge. <laughs> it looks like a fucking flight deck, basically, right? You, you know what I mean? so it's just like back in the day like I was like there's no way I could ever figure out how to like work this kind of music man this is just like craziness you, you well, know dude, that I looks mean? really intimidating the huge uh, you know switchboard like that totally Ex- exactly and um, you know like I said people it was to me it was just like these genius guys like making this early electronic dance music man and uh, I don't want to keep them waiting man so I'm going to go ahead and let oh, them hell no
1: them your red shoes and dance the dance, dance. to the song on the radio
0: hey bars how's going on man how you doing dude i've I got my frequency eight shirt on man yeah, and got uh one of those i am i am uh you know fanboying today man okay uh i just want you to uh, first of all uh you to meet you've met before. Not, that
1: doesn't happen very often on this thanks for joining us today i appreciate it man
0: my Mars. boy uh
1: janger does not fanboy i every once in a while i'll fanboy very very you know few times that i do that but i've, I've never seen my, my bro here fanboy like this <laughs> telling me about you before the show and everything getting all jacked up
0: well well you know we've had some other musicians like you know big celebrities on, on the. you know we had dave navarro come on this podcast many times man and, uh, you know, to me, it's just like really inspiring when I see uh, just musicians and just like people that inspire me to become a musician myself, man. And, you know, Mars is definitely one, uh, uh, one, one of those guys, man. Early on, I was just showing Mars. I was just yeah. Showing, just bring um, that picture back up. This is this is awesome, man. This, this <laughs> I was just showing this picture, man. How, like I said, that early on in electronic dance music days, this is the kind of like equipment you had to like understand to make this kind of music, man. And, uh, you know, nowadays it's gotten a lot easier with computers and everything like that too. But um, back in the day, I would never even have attempted to try to make electronic dance music because it was too complicated. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but you know, you, you've been there since back in the day, man. And uh, you still continue to uh, make music nowadays. So I'm so excited to catch up with you, man. But just to introduce uh, all the people that, you know haven't uh, listened to our show before. Uh, my co-host is a teacher. Uh, and then, uh, my name is James and, um, we're so happy to have you today on Mars.
2: Thank you so much. I'm stoked to be here. Can you hear me? Okay.
0: My, yeah. Perfect, man. man. Okay. Nice. Awesome, man. Um, but like I said, uh, you know, so, so where are you joining us these days, man?
2: I'm living in Las Vegas.
0: Nice, man. Nice. You're, you're... <laughs> where are you from originally Mars? I
2: grew up in LA. Oh, so
1: lucky, man. Well, what, yeah, uh, what part life. of LA?
2: Wait, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to be in Vegas or I'm lucky to be from L.A.?
1: You're both. <laughs> <Really? Because laughs> Where in like, L.A. are you from?
2: Um, from Santa Monica. Officially, uh, Dogtown, I've come to learn. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing with Dogtown is, um, so I grew up right on Bicknell Hill, which is like this big hill that goes down to the Santa Monica beach and I had an apartment right across the street from from that place and I remember going into a a surf shop called Horizons West and I just remember hearing like okay first of all so I grew up skating but it wasn't often like only Lovato's would wear like a Dogtown shirt like you can't roll into ninth grade wearing a Dogtown shirt like unless you know somebody, it's usually like all raggedy and like somebody passed it down to you from like a brother or something, right? Um, and so like there was this whole mystique about Dogtown, And so I would go into Horizons West and be like, see these shirts and, and be sort of confused with what it meant. And it was like sort of a cross and I didn't know if it was a religious thing. And, and so um, turns out, and then my friend, my best friend at the time that I used to surf with, worked at Horizons West, and he used to tell me, oh yeah, Andy, um, I forgot his name, Andy something. He was a pro surfer who owned it. And um, he would tell me all these stories about Dogtown. Bro, I had no idea. So, I, But I was always kind of intrigued, but also a little scared, because it was gangster. It was like Venice 13, that's like, you wouldn't go surf down by the break, by Venice breakwater, you'd get your ass kicked. So it was like, this is, something was going on. So after Dogtown, the movie came out, I put it all together. And I knew so many people around me that were actually sort of like little brothers of that movement. I had no idea. Um, and so when you ask where I'm from legitimately, I am from like Sepulveda area, like where the 405 meets the 10. And that's really like from that down to Santa Monica is, is Dogtown
0: on the it south has, side. It's so cool, first of all, because you're doing something that's con- that I always say on this show this is a street art show and you know normally and we have a lot of street artists on and a lot of them their roots are skating too man and it's it's all it's all kind of like from the same uh street culture you know from djing to uh to what we're here talking about today and it's so cool that, that basically you know i actually most people would associate you with being from norcal mars i mean but i know that personally from the past so i know that you're from socal you know what i mean but um uh, you know, you've had a lot of success in NorCal, and would, would you say that a lot of people would? Have well, said, yeah,
2: yeah, that's where I really uh, kicked off NorCal. But yeah. Y- also, you, well, you how were... did you
0: get started with doing this?
2: Well, um, okay, so I started off as a raver um, going to a club called Joy in about 1992, uh, old school. Uh, that's where me and Demigod uh, sort of met. We both had the same shirt on that said "Ravers Suck." <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was just kind of like. You know, cause we knew we were ravers and at the time it was that kind of culture. Where everything was like, instead of Ford, it said fucked. You know, remember all that? Yep, so- The, the um, parody shirts, yep. Yeah, parody shirts, exactly. So um, yeah, I just started off as a raver. And then, but I was also doing wedding DJ at the time with my best friend who was named Eric. Um, and, or when he, he worked at a pizza restaurant and, and people couldn't pronounce Eric so they used to call him Mr. E. Um, and so he and I used to do wedding DJing together and uh, West Coast DJ Productions is actually what it was. And, um, <laughs> nice. and so since I was a raver, like, first of all, I hated all the wedding music. Like I never wanted to practice. Like I didn't like DJing. I, I didn't like it, but I was into like going out. I was into uh, the music obviously and cool spaces and things. So. Um, I was going to a, uh, like a beach party, like a, a, at, at Doc Weiler, I wanna say, or uh, Hunter's Point. And um, yeah, it was just like an after party and they needed sound because they lost their sound system. And so um, I said, oh, I have this wedding set up, you know, like you can use it. It was like two 18s and some tops. So the, the promoter was like, yeah, man, all right, cool. Well, you can play too. And I didn't really have, I'd only been playing techno for like maybe, th- three weeks i just picked up some records down in la at uh at uh, at, uh shoot what was the name of it uh, lawrence worked there i forgot the name Dr. of it. it was a very popular at the time um beat beat non-stop maybe i want to say um and um yes i had like 10 records and i brought them with me and i played last at the end of this party and people just really liked the music and they were, i got invited to play more shows just from them hearing me play this closing set that I didn't know how to beat match. I was like blending all the. It's actually how people pretty much do open format now where it's just you're like crossing over and the BPMs are different. Like I wasn't even trying to, to, to beat match because there was no monitor. Like one of the four speakers was working. It was a complete just train wreck, the whole situation. So <laughs> I just came on, played my heart out and it was totally different kind of music than anybody was playing. And uh, yeah, and then I started calling myself Mars because It was really like meditation music, but with a beat. And so I used to say, it's like music you'd listen to going to Mars, like in a spaceship, because Mars music. I didn't know that I was in Aries and I came from Mars. I didn't know that Mars was my initials at the time. That all came about way later. But um, that must
1: have been an enrapturing moment uh, when you realized
2: that. Yeah, because I was going to change my name actually, because people were like, oh, who's this Mars guy? It was like DJ John, DJ Dan, DJ Yano. There was no Mars. You know what I mean? (laughs) Everybody was just regular names. It was like, oh, I became a DJ by accident name. And that was me too, but I became a DJ accidentally with Mars music. So I started getting some pushback from people, and I was going to change my name. And um, I was talking to this woman at a party, and she read tarot cards and does like astrology and things. And she started asking me where I was from and my birthday and everything. And she's like, oh, well, you can't change your name. You're an Aries. I'm like, so she's like, well, you're ruled by Mars. You have to stay Mars. I was (laughs) like, oh my God. All right, fine, I'll keep it. And then um, about a year and a half later, I was thinking about my initials coming back from a party. My name is Michael Adam Robbins, but I didn't realize that my last name ended in an S. Mm. And I was thinking about how I hated my initials because to mar something is just to to mess it up. And I always felt like since I was a kid, like I'd mar somebody's ping pong table, or I'd mar a wall,
1: or I'd (laughs) mar my shirt. Life to mar things.
2: Yeah, I don't like to mar things. And when I was a kid, my best friend's initials were RAD. And he'd be writing rad all over his boards, rad all over his notebook, you know, so to (laughs) mar was
1: not cool.
2: Yeah, and then I just realized, oh my god, it ends in an S and you know, trying to stay on the freeway while I'm realizing all this because I already been Mars for about three years at that point now.
0: Wow! So yeah, so cool. it was wow. kind of giving to me. But man, that's uh, I, I, that's super cool, man. I, I didn't I didn't even know the origin of that story, man. So, uh, um, but you know, I, I also know that you spent a little bit of time in Isla Vista, which is where I started DJing when I went to school in UC Santa Barbara. You know what I mean? I mean, the party scene there—you understand—it's like one of those places that it's just like there's parties going off almost. Every day, if you want, if you want to find something, right? So tell us a little bit. Wait, 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 wait a second. Okay.
1: So after three weeks of starting doing the, the DJing, DJ and you did your first gig, how long was it before your next gig? And then how, take it from there.
2: Great question. Yeah. So um, I, th- it was one month I had to prepare for the show. They're so like, we're putting, we love what you're playing. We haven't heard this style before. Come play at our show. We're gonna headline you.
1: Who and was this? Who's I was telling you this.
2: What's that? Who was telling you that? The promoter who heard me playing at this after party
0: on Hunter's Point in (laughs) 93 or something. Yeah, see, at that time, the thing is like, it's just like, you know, I feel like promoters and everybody was there. The scene was just more tight knit. Wouldn't you say, Mars? I mean, like people were just like trying to find other people that also like this music and to kind of like give it more exposure, right?
2: To be honest, um, there was that and But there was also a lot of politics even back then it was Mm -hmm. like like once i got i got put on this flyer now all of a sudden i was getting mad dogged by other people um i i started entering this phase where it was like i didn't really know what was happening like i was in school for engineering and prototyping and oh wow um i i started getting taken sort of to this place with music and didn't really understand it but felt very called to it, but then like politics would come in. Now, of course, this was all pre-social media and all that. If you were on one flyer, <laughs> it's equivalent to probably having 100,000 organic Instagram followers or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was significant to be on one flyer uh, at one big show. Um, you were almost a made man at that point. So there was a lot more weight in the little things that, that we don't really experience
0: now. There was no like- so that way, I'm no, sorry. Like, that
1: first show that you went to um, the, after a month and you, that you had to prepare, was that like a big show? It was a big show.
2: And when I left that party, that after party, after I got booked, I'm telling you, I had the worst headache. I was so stressed out because I had no idea how to, how to DJ. I, I didn't know how to beat match. I had just picked these records because I liked them. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. So I spent a month training for this show and then I played this show and then got more shows. And then what happened was, is that I have been doing this now for maybe a year and a half, fast forward a year and a half. And the politics and the business aspect, I wasn't aligning with. Plus I don't really party. Like, I mean, I'm just not to the level of like a normal raver. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I just wasn't in that scene to that level. And I've never done E um now i'm not saying people sh- i know and and i'm not saying like i don't have any
1: i'm sorry i didn't mean to act so surprised that, you know it, you've got dreadlocks and everything you got all these musical stuff around you I, it wouldn't have surprised me if you had but i shouldn't Sorry, I'm a bad so surprise that you so. didn't
2: and, and <laughs> yeah man i mean it was just it's not even that i didn't like i'm against it like all my friends for so long would do it it wasn't that it was just like it wasn't something i wanted to experience i already felt so happy and i'm not so happy like You know, like like Pollyanna, but I felt like (laughs) I just I I didn't feel like I needed to connect, like I almost felt like if I went there I wouldn't want to come back or something, you know what I mean? So
0: um hold on real quick. I want to just step in real quick. You know, there's people of all different age ranges listening, and back in the day, you know, Mars talking about like we had to get records to DJ, man. Now now people just use a USB stick and then you know on early final, right? Yeah, exactly. You had to haul like records and carry crates. then go to the record store so i feel like there was this whole like system and this whole like kind of like community um just around the rave community you you know what i mean it wasn't so much like it was it was in person it wasn't so much online uh as much at that time you had to go to these parties to listen to this you do it's no
2: on nothing if you the only (laughs) thing that was online was the post office bro yeah (laughs) you know what i'm saying
0: like, yeah, you, you had to go to, even buying tickets, you had to go to the record store to buy the tickets, yeah, actually, yeah. the physical tickets, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, go ahead.
2: Well, so what happened was, is at the end of 94, I started getting burned out. The politics and all of it were, were too much for me. And so I, I just sort of dropped out of the whole scene and, and went and uh, spent about two months in Europe. And when I was in Europe, I would just go from record store to record store, and I started buying all this music that I'd never heard of before, just totally like Amsterdam style, um, almost like ha- happy at hardcore in a way, but like trance hardcore, I'm talking 165 BPM. You know, it was just, it was banging stuff. And um, and got, came home with this music and was listening to it one night. I'm, I'm glad you're smoking because this is what happened. I, I, I put on one of these tracks and I, and I smoked the fatty that somebody had given to me Um, because I was throwing a party the next night and, um, he was just like, here, man, take this home and smoke. It It looked very similar to that. Like, just like a homegrown one. That's just like when they with love, not like a dispensary one, not that those aren't good, but (laughs) my point is, is that, um, I, I put it on, put this record on, I started smoking and I realized that this music was written in a different way than anything I'd ever heard before. And that it was, it was telling stories through sound. It wasn't just a, a bleep and a blop or like. A 303 line, and that was it. It was like it was, it was, it was a journey through sound, like from A to B to C to D. It was, it was taking you, if you close your eyes, it was almost like watching the movie Fantasia with your eyes closed, but with a B. And that's where I came up with the name Cyber Trance. Um, and and I was like, This this isn't trance music. This is a totally like I was never a trance DJ. I was a cyber trance DJ because right. trance for me, like. I'm personally not really into a lot of trance because there's so much almost like white noise and kind of smoke and mirrors. Like, in other words, like there's not a lot of melody or if there is a melody, they try to make the melody not too obvious because too much melody became cheesy. So like, it was almost like this ominous melody. I'm talking about the trance today. So I'm not really like a trance DJ, but back then even, so I wasn't really a trance DJ, which was really like a, an 808 and like a 303 or something was kind of trancey, you know it's like almost like techno you call it that was the trance where I was coming in with like pianos I was coming in with horns I was coming in with what sounded like stand-up bass you know like I'm coming in with with a symphony Classic. sound with this cyber trance music and so it, it didn't fit to anything I had heard and so I just called it cyber trance and then that was when I put out like Welcome to Cybertrance" in like 1995, 94, 95, something like that. I don't remember, 95, I think. It's- and then, yeah, just eventually opened a record store. I was just, I became a distributor nationwide oh, for, wow. this, for this company. And I, I liked their music so much. I reached out to them. They didn't have any representation in America at the time. None. So I started importing these, these, these tracks, these records in my, into my apartment and selling them out of my apartment. And I eventually then went and uh, opened a record store on Haight Street. And I looked at it sort of like a jet engine in the sense that you needed to have a store to grow a scene because people would want to be able to find the music, right? So it's like, if you think of the way a, a jet works, it, it has to have the intake and then it kind of compresses the air on the inside. And then it, blows it out the back with more force than it sucked it in right Mm -hmm. and so i felt like the only way to really do this is to have somebody listen to it at a party which i would throw then the next day be like what the hell was he playing Come into the (laughs) store then they would go out and dj it themselves and grow the scene they would start throwing parties they would start djing and that's what ended up happening and that's how the sort of west coast trance scene was born uh, yeah, dude, first of all thanks awesome, thanks for man. that
0: little summary uh mars i mean little history uh, lesson man <laughs> i love it <laughs> totally because you know the scene from back in the day when 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 you started i mean there was no like hey i think that dj is really cool let me look up to him and follow his career and understand it was like no it was all the music was just like these german guys making it in their basement like you know and then putting it on records and then uh, people hadn't heard this kind of shit in, in in America at all. So what you were doing was kind of like this pioneering job that like people don't people forget about it, man, and they don't they don't understand and things like God, people- especially
1: kids these days, man, they forget things six seconds later.
0: <laughs> totally, man, and it's like people didn't even know what this kind of music was called. I mean, I remember it being called electronica, right, or like techno. And then for I feel like for uh, my generation when I grew up people just called it trance music i mean like they thought of techno music as some like music that your casio would make like you know you know, your casio watch would make or like something like craft work from back in the day that was a little bit like kind of like just like cheesy a little bit you know but it, <clears throat> it, we were still kind of learning about uh you know how to tell this story using these different sounds that weren't uh necessarily like analog anymore you know we used all the instruments. Uh, you know, to do make rock music and jazz music and all, all this right. kind of stuff, and now we're using these like electronic drums, and then taking it to the next level and throwing these massive underground parties. That you, it was like so punk rock because you can circumvent the actual traditional um, music industry. You know what I mean? You you had your own shop, you set it up, and you throw your own parties, and then you reach your own people right. like that.
2: Yeah, like, it was punk rock. It was, and also so so cool about being on. On Hate Street, I uh, hate Ashbury in San Francisco. Is and one of my songs was called "Changing the Hate," you know, <laughs> Um, because we were like it went from the Grateful Dead to the punk scene to now we're bringing it with fucking banging ass cyber trance and you know San Francisco too. You have to remember was like all the parties started getting super funky fresh like bell bottoms and. Groovy house. It was so hard for me to like well, hear something that made me want to put my hands up. So when Cybertrance came out, it really spoke to all these people who wanted something harder and weren't getting
1: it. Now, Especially question for you, Mars. Did you have uh, your dreadlocks back then? I did. Yeah. <laughs> how long? When did you? How long have you had the dreadlocks? When did you start um, them?
2: Let's see. This was probably my record store. No, I do trim them, <laughs> not as long as want to But no, seriously, I've had these since uh, I want to say '90s, '96. Wow. That's awesome, man. Okay.
0: I mean, pretty much ever since I've known, like uh, uh from back in the day. I mean, I would be past these tapes. Uh, or CDs, actually, not tapes, but uh, um, there'd be CDs that our friends would burn and then we'd be passing around. And, you know, I got introduced to artists like ATB from back in the day through your mixtape, man. Like, you know, and then these guys became huge guys man and i I just think it's like it's just like really interesting that uh the scene has changed so much man now how was this sf scene compared to the la scene from back in the day like was there a major difference like there there still is a difference between the scenes now but it's a little bit more united would you say You, you know what i mean
2: yeah um i think yeah it seems to me like the scenes are probably a lot all closer now because people can watch videos and see all the other parties and see the way people are dressing and but I, there was definitely a difference between L.A. and San Francisco. Like, I always wanted to play L.A. Our music was made for L.A. Like, it, we'd go down. That's where we really got big is, is blowing up parties in L.A. Because L.A. was just like, hit me harder, you know, where San Francisco was like, ooh, I don't know. Is that politically correct? <laughs> so it was like that already you know, back like, then.
0: I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. San Francisco
2: was like, Ooh, you know, I don't want to spill my chai. Where LA was just like, (laughs) you know, LA was just like, fucking bring it, you know? And um, the first time I played for Insomniac was so cool because I felt like our valve was finally open, you know? My Mm. valve was open, but... What's
0: Insomniac? uh, Insomniac is kind of like the biggest uh, rave promotion company um, in the United States, I, I would say, you know? So, I mean... Um, they pretty much very uh, fitting, I think. Insomniac. I mean, yeah, it's, it's run by uh, <laughs> uh, a genius named Pascal Rotella. I mean, he's pretty much uh, started from like warehouse parties, um, back in the day to now. He throws like massive raves inside the NASCAR, uh, <laughs> you know, at EDC oh, in, in Vegas. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of just like one of these things that uh, um, he's definitely one of the Godfathers. He, uh, of, you know, the whole electronic dance music scene, especially here in America, you know, um, and, and more so
2: even on the West Coast. Like. Yes,
0: yes, exactly. Um, so the West Coast scene, I mean, it's just like I, I felt like, you know, people always felt like New York, it kind of brought the rave scene over from um, UK um, and then it kind of came to the West Coast later. Uh, that's how historically people always kind of say it, but I feel like it was just kind of this movement that kind of like grew in different spots by itself actually and yeah, that kind of so. and then kind of combined back in the day there was like so many different types of raves you can go to you can go to like a a, a jungle rave which you know people uh they a lot of them would have <laughs> dreads and things like that or, you know, you <laughs> know <what? Of> <laughs> yeah and then there you can go to a trance rave where people would be dressed in like uh, these bracelets and colorful rainbow colors. So it was like very different scenes. And then as it's gotten bigger and it's as it's gotten corporatized, it's kind of like just they kind of lumped it all together and then made it into a festival uh, with different stages. Now, while the people actually hanging out back in the day at these different parties were very, very different people, actually. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mars, I got um, a question for you. Um,
0: yeah.
1: When you were, you were playing mainly in the West Coast when you're getting started, right? Um, When was your first place that you played away from the West coast?
2: Uh, you mean outside of California, outside of San Francisco?
1: Yeah. Outside of California.
2: Uh, the first place I played, I don't know. I I don't, I don't remember. Maybe Salt Lake city or, uh, Arizona, Hawaii, maybe.
1: Nice.
0: Um, Nice.
2: I mean,
1: how was the, What was was the reception? like? I mean, how did they respond? What's that? What was the reception like when you, like your first performance away from the West coast, you know, like what what was the, uh, how did they accept it?
2: Well, the biggest thing for us at the time was to get down to LA. Like it it was, it was, so if you think of it like, okay, um, as a DJ, maybe their biggest goal is to play uh, EDC, Las Vegas. Okay. Right. For us, for me, for our scene, it was who's playing LA. LA was- L.A. was the only place that mattered. Um, I see. In fact, middle finger mi- middle finger to the rest of the world because I had been <laughs> to, uh, around Europe and seen some of these festivals and they were cool. But I felt like nothing mattered except the West Coast scene. Mm-hmm. It, like it was that strong. It was that good. It was kind of like, who cares about what anybody else is doing? Like this is where it's at. And so... L.A. was like the epicenter of that. And then, you know, of course, it came to like went to San Bernardino and stuff. But at the time, like the early L.A. sort of warehouse parties, if you started getting booked in L.A., you you really were successful. That was your measure of success.
0: So so back. I'm sorry. Yeah. What were you asking Yeah, I interrupted you. Oh, no. I was just saying that, you know, back in back when this whole scene started, it was such like a young scene. I feel like there was less red tape to um get book was more about finding those cool people that threw those parties you know and nowadays i mean it's kind of like um i don't know maybe it's like an over amount of people that are trying to play or whatever there's just a lot more politics involved nowadays than back in the day you know and i feel like we always joke about this term plur, and we've talked about it a few times on this show you know it's peace love unity respect which is kind of like a raver mantra actually and it's become this kind of like joke actually but the thing is like to me that w- those were the things that attracted me to the rave scene the people were just so fucking cool and you were just accepted and no, in the hip-hop scene you know you got to dress a certain way to be cool you got to dance a certain way to be cool <clears throat> and it was just like it was a different scene you know but in the rave scene whether it was because people were on drugs or the influence of the drugs afterwards but you were just accepted you were you could be gay you could be straight. You can be black. You can be white. You can be Asian. Like nobody yeah. made you feel like you were an outsider, man. And um, that, that's one of the reasons why I love the street art scene actually too. And I gravitate towards it too. It's these raw underground cultures that it's like cool people doing cool things, man. And, uh, but, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> more, more well,
2: interesting. You say, plura, have you heard of that cryptocurrency called Pluracoin?
0: Yes, I, I I have. I have. Um, I mean, I'm we're still, we're still kind of like, We've been talking about NFTs a lot on this uh, podcast because a lot of different artists, you know, and, uh, you know, crypto is just scary to me, Mars. I mean, I like, no, I so, hear you. how do you feel about it? Uh,
2: well, um, I like the idea behind Plurcoin because it's basically trying to bring sort of a holistic, ethical approach to crypto and bring it into the EDM market. So, like, that's, I'm not really super big into crypto, but I do like Plurcoin. Mm. Um, if you read over, like, who started it, um, and sort of like the basis behind it, I like it because it seems to be on a path for, um, you know, change. Like in other words, like a, a cashless society within the EDM environment.
0: Mars, how how do you feel about uh, the? Um, I mean, you're still playing out there in Vegas. I saw that you know you play with Miss May. I mean, like honestly, he's one of the dopest progressive house DJs. Uh, you know, so I feel like you're still you're still like working it man and uh, you know how how's the scene changed i mean like for you do you feel like it's less clear than, than it was back in the day i mean like that's clear <laughs> do you enjoy I, I know- more or less the same what's that do you enjoy more or less
2: or the same um you know so i i enjoy it every time um but for me i also do other things so this is what happens sort of like on that note, going with the West Coast and how powerful I thought it was, like wh- when I played at um, at, at uh, Together's One at the LA Coliseum, I think uh, 2001, there was like 45,000 people. It was the biggest party in LA at the time. Wow. And after that event, I felt like that was the peak for, for me, but I didn't necessarily want it to be, like I just felt like what more, can I do then play to this many people that organically know who I am? I would have to travel around the world. I would have to create this buzz in every state. You know how big America is? Like all of Europe is the size of California. And I don't mean that like, like in any, like literally. Like I went from Poland all the way through Germany, through Amsterdam to England in the same amount of time that it would be to go from Sacramento to San Diego mm. so it was a nine-hour train you know and America's just huge and I felt like it took me it took a lot of energy and a lot of willpower and a lot of wherewithal and being okay with so many different things to attain where I had gotten that to be able to now take it all the way around the world it would have I, I just wasn't up for it man and I just kind of felt like I've done it, I want to go out like sort of at the top. So I, I retired in about 2003 and I got really into another love of mine that I had been doing before music, which was drones. I've been flying drones since I was real young, like building helicopters that were bigger than me, that were gas powered, that I used to fly and people would like, the neighbors would hide behind cars as I would spool up the rotors. And, you know, I was just like, really into things that flew and VTOLs and things before drones were ever even called drones. And so um, to answer your question, I I have fun with DJing now because I'm able to balance it with other things. Mm -hmm. Like, and I tell this to my friends that are DJs, you know, they're this show, that show, who's getting paid this. I'm like, guys, like, 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 put this in the fun zone. Put this in the hobby zone. Put this into like when you're done working have some fun go play some shows now the problem is with that is that it's hard to also be on a straight up trajectory when you start putting your energy into something else and you start putting it into the hobby zone but for me it was the only way i could sort of manage all the politics and income streams you know because the rape scene really was like this for so long there's nobody in my scene that I started out with that that is still here anymore that that whole scene from San Francisco like who's around the only oh. other person you know, people are around that started after us but from that time maybe there's like a like maybe two people I I, I can think of it's and everybody, different. you know sort of hit that wall where it's like There is a glass ceiling in this industry and it is run by a bigger force than I think people realize and a a lot of people think oh if I just if I just have some big hit you know I'll be the next dead mouse or if I just get this many followers I'm gonna play this festival but it's not really like that man it's just it's extremely complicated and so in order to curtail those feelings of did I make it or not make it where am I where am I in my career and I just am like, okay, well, my music career is in the fun zone. Whatever happens with that is adding, you know, to my life, not
0: only my life. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Smart. I I love that you're you're saying that because honestly, first of all, you're one of my heroes. I've had another one of my heroes. Theo that's been on this podcast okay that, nice. you know is, is one of uh, uh the guys that's still doing it from back in the day too you, you know like I mean? one of them
2: yeah I'm just <laughs> taking north north totally north
0: <clears> throat> throat> and I'm just saying that it, you know like when we talked to Theo he was also just saying it's like just focus on having fun man because at the end of the day I mean you got into this uh because the scene was so cool and you were having so much fun like you know and then it's kind of just like people get lost in terms of like what they want to accomplish. And uh, uh, you know, it's not really in everybody's deck deck that they drew, you you know what I mean? And uh, you know, sometimes these are your cards and uh, you know, I always think it's like, as long as you're living the authentic life that you feel that uh, you know, as a musician, as an artist, that you feel like you're living that authentic life, that's kind of like what you should be going for too. You know what I mean?
2: I, I do, and, and I was talking to my friends yesterday. I do this thing um, out here where I have, I call it barbecue and beats. Like we just barbecue and play records and work on music. And I got nice. like, a smoker out in the backyard and stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and, and, and one of the things that I talked to them about is like, how do you define making it as a DJ? Because it's not like you could say, for example, Stephen Curry hits, you know, more threes than anybody else. He's officially the GOAT because you can count how many three-pointers everybody else has shot and how much he's shot. You can add them up all if you want. There's probably videos of every single one. It, there's metrics, (laughs) there's metrics. But with DJing, it's hard to find metrics. In other words, what calculates making it? Like what, when do you know you've made it as a DJ? And like, I have a friend who she, she's like, well, when I play EDC, I'll know I've made it. <laughs> yeah, but when you play EDC and then the next day you're gonna wonder what you're gonna do next because you may never play EDC again. And, and and the thing is, is that you might look back and say, wow, I played EDC and it was the best thing ever that I've ever done in my life. And that might've been the only time I played it. and And that was my peak and I didn't even realize it at the time.
0: Mm. You see what I'm saying?
2: It's like, yeah, if you yeah, think yeah. about not just with DJing, think about NFL players. Think about people who go to school, they train their whole lives, they're really good at sports, then they they go to college, then they get drafted by the NBA, and then they're in, and and now maybe they have an injury and they're out. And they have to live with that. Like, they went on this trajectory, and now it's just changed. And with DJing, I feel like you, you just... You don't really know, there's so many inconsistencies that you just might pass the greatest time of your life and not know it. So Mm. I try to take every show as maybe it's my last and like I'd have as much fun as possible and appreciate it all. Um, You know, like a big example of this are are astronauts who've been to the moon. You know, they train their whole lives to go to college. They go in the air force, for example. Then they one in 500 that they're an, an astronaut Academy. Then they finally go to the moon. They can't believe it. And then they come back and they're like, okay, for the next mission, we're going with this guy. And they realized that they just did the coolest thing in their life and that was it. Yeah, they're done. They, <laughs> and they have a lot of psychological problems because of it. So, um, you, you know, like how do you determine what, when you've made it as a DJ? And I think what that is, is probably getting paid to play Maybe another market would be living off of it, but comfortably traveling with your friends is great. Traveling in your friends in a private jet to me is definitely you've made it plus. And then, you know, now it can be all measurable, like you were saying with, you know, all the socials and organic growth. Like some people just do really well with organic growth, but if you don't have that organic growth, or you're trying to grow it. And, and some people and my friends will pay for, you know, likes, but then you got to maintain the likes because yeah. they, have, <laughs> they have too many friends and not enough likes. And there's these fucking algorithms. Dude, it's crazy. So <laughs> I,
0: I, I, lo- I love it. You're just driving knowledge right now because you I'm know feeling what? you, bro. I'm 52 and it's, uh, yeah. There's, there's yeah. so many artists, I'm visual feeling. artists that listen to this too. And they're trying to, um, you, you know, Be a legitimate artist, a legitimate visual artist and trying to make it as an artist, too. And I think sometimes we need to hear it from a different um, industry, different like kind of like sector perspective to kind of understand because it all applies to, you know, just being an artist, man. At the end of the day, it's like how when are you satisfied within yourself that you feel like you're a professional too, and when when you've made it too. And I think everybody that does any sort of art needs to uh, be reminded of that every now and then to not be so hard on yourself. And, uh, you know, just to enjoy and have fun, too. You know, put it in the zone where, um, you know, you're, you're making it a fun thing always, right? Adds to your life.
2: It adds to your life, yeah, because there's a lot of negativity that can come in the scene. There really is, man. It's, you'll know because as soon as you start to get haters, that's a marker of you're making it as a DJ. If you got haters or you're a VJ <laughs> or whatever and, you, and people don't like you, you're making it. You just You just have to... <laughs> You know, weigh that with like how much money you're making too, because if everybody hates you and you're not making it, there's a lot of people who leave the scene too, and they're bitter. I know a lot of people that have left bitter, you know, and, mm. and it's easy to get bitter. And I think the most important thing is to try and stay golden, ultimately.
0: It, it's hard in the scene. How do you do that? Um, you know, what do you do to kind of stay so positive, Mars?
2: I made my shirt, myself a shirt bright golden it says stay golden <laughs> i i do and i wear it
0: you know what man like, that's so funny because every morning actually uh i have a i have a, a yellow that, shirt man. a yellow shirt that i bought and when i write uh in my journal every morning i always put it on if, especially if i'm in a bad mood to kind of just charge up man and i thought i was a I came up with that all myself man i thought i was, I was the only one but that's so awesome that was, I, <laughs>
2: Stay golden
0: well, no, it's it's just it's actually a Playboy Bunny shirt on it, but it's yellow. You, you know what I mean? And then <laughs> Same I just, idea. <laughs> I just wear it to kind of like charge up my uh, positive mood, man. And I, actually, I've never really told anybody that, but it's just it's just so cool, man. And um, but yeah. So you know, normally this 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 podcast, like I said, we have a lot of street artists on. We always want to kind of turn around and ask, um, you know, our guests that are uh, from the music or the DJ side, you know, a little bit about street art. So uh, you know, to so check cool. their knowledge, you
1: know what kind of knowledge uh, you ever have of it. Like when you're either growing up in LA, or I'm sure you probably saw some of them in, in uh, San Francisco. But what kind of experiences uh, have you had with any uh, graffiti artists or graffiti pieces?
2: Not a lot. That's okay. Yeah. Marvel, I that used to is tag, okay. I used to tag when I was a kid and I was and there you go. Hey, yeah, I we wrote over it. somebody's name because I, I didn't see it. It was dark. I wrote over like fucking Joker one, you know, like my name Ooh, over that's like, bad. Joker. Oh yeah, it was bad. And then nobody wanted to tag with me anymore because I wrote over Joker homes <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: oh. so I was out of that. That was the end.
0: But I, that I'm career right off. there.
2: I have artwork though. Like I have what artwork. What kind of
0: artwork do you here. collect, Mars?
2: Yeah. What kind of artwork do you collect? I don't collect. I just make my own.
1: Oh, okay. okay. Oh, oh you made it yourself. What kind of artwork do you do?
2: Uh, I record what I see. Hmm. Like. Uh, okay, so they're videos. No, no, they're they're drawings of um, I I uh, visions I've had. Oh wow.
0: Okay, yeah. dude, I'm I very curious people.
2: to see these.
0: Is there yeah, a way um, we can find it, Mars, on on online or anything, or?
2: No, no, I, I can go get it. I I hold these in a very sacred spot. You'll be this will be the first public display of them, actually. Dude, if you if wow. you
0: if you don't if you don't mind, we we, we Dude, like I'm honored, man. man. really okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do uh, it. I'll man. show you
2: a couple of things. I'll be right back. Okay.
0: Okay, sounds hey, good, so man. You play yeah. my
2: track, maybe. Welcome to Cali Tech.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna drop out at the end, but yeah, these, <laughs> okay. These hold on just, one I just give some commentary, Dude, What what do I I'm I'm like kind of like a little bit like oh shit. I don't know what to ask Mars because I'm like. I'm loving this conversation so much, and uh, the the stuff that he's dropped. I mean, like, I, I feel like well, it's great know, information,
1: to- man. I mean, it's it's a lot of good knowledge, and um, you know, uh,
0: let let me show you, know, you uh,
1: especially for kids wanting to get into the in the scene, and they're they're curious about it. Um, it's good knowledge to have ahead of time because you know, if you have some aims, you know, and some uh, aspirations that are completely unrealistic, um, and you're just kind of putting yourself through the shit and not enjoying it. And you know, you're not, you're not doing it the right way. I love his advice and, you know, just try to figure out what your means are and what you really want to do and try to keep fun with it.
0: Yeah, man. And, you know, I'm wearing this shirt frequency eight because it was their record label that, you know, you know, they, they released all their records on. And I have a bunch of these records like back in the day, because, you know, I'm a DJ from the old school too. I you know, I'm still, you know, you know, doing it, but I, you know, I have records and you know turntables and things like that. But it's interesting because, like, look at this. Actually, I want to show you this picture because it's a picture of me and uh, my little sis Melissa of us wearing uh, Frequency Eight shirts at uh, oh, Bill Graham God. Civic Auditorium. Oh, wow. you, you know what I mean? So we used to go to these parties, and then, like, you know, my little sis Melissa, the MMA fighter, has been on this uh, podcast. So uh, you know, I just <laughs> wanted to share that picture picture real quick. But it's just so cool because, like, um, it, you know, like I said, back in the day, it's, it was just a different scene, man. There was yeah, like. It was different. Uh, it was a lot less corporate, I would say. Let's see some artwork.
2: Right, well, I, well, I want to show you this first.
1: Oh,
0: oh man. <laughs> Stay golden. That's,
2: that's, that's, that's my graffiti, right now for those that's my graffiti just... font. Okay. That's your
1: graffiti font. <laughs> and
2: now, check this out. See my board? My original Nautis coppice. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah, eight, nice. 1986, original. Thunder trucks. No, independent.
0: Man, the the, the people who are listening to the show, I know a lot of them are skaters, man. So <laughs> that's cool, man. They all I'm start. Off the OJ yeah. So um
2: okay.
0: So, this is my uh, this is my uh yellow Playboy buddy shirt that I uh, okay. wear every morning. It's <laughs> a charge up, man. <laughs> no lie. But uh, yeah, let's let's see some stuff, man.
2: Okay, um, let me see. Okay, this one. See if you guys like this. Hold on, let me get a light on it. Okay.
0: Mars got a NASA shirt on, representing space. Yeah, well, I, can, well, I was going to ask know, him about
1: that earlier, but after he told us, you know, that it, how he loves to fly drones, and you know, and about the, uh, you know, being a, an astronaut and how hard it is. To and that and also, too, I've done work for that, NASA. it makes perfect sense. I appreciate her myself.
0: Mars what? done work for NASA too. That's crazy. What did you
1: do?
2: Well, I I um, I used to DJ for him.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. And uh, well, that would make perfect I, I, sense having a DJ named Mars for a NASA event.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know the um LAX the Encounter restaurant.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: I did a yeah. rave for them inside that.
0: <laughs> Dude, yeah, oh awesome. my bad.
2: God! Yeah. So that's I, awesome, but they couldn't pay me. So what they would do is they would fly me out to Cape Canaveral to see the rockets launch as a trade.
1: Oh, That's <laughs> even better than getting paid dude. Holy yeah. shit.
2: Yeah. And oh. the thing is, that's interesting is I actually did work for them on a drone level too. So I, I worked for them in two different areas that they didn't know I was the same person.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's so dope.
2: Okay. Here's a picture. This is a vision I had in uh,
1: 1996. I don't know if you can see that oh wow okay it looks like uh some sharks and a tornado and a lightning bolt going around a uh a pyramid um yeah, for or, excuse me a triangular um prism yeah
2: that was That's after awesome. my, that was after my friend um uh,
1: yeah somebody died
2: in that one so that was that was sort of a very spiritual i like it yeah um let me see let me show you some other ones that are um that tetrahedron i'll show you too i'll take you guys oh yeah around my house i'll show you i I have a god pod i built a god pod a god pod yeah i'm very curious that that one can you see that
0: teach you want to give okay so uh, we have
1: an eye on the left um it has some waves coming from it and some uh like some lightning effect to it and then uh in the middle there you have the uh The Star of David, um, with fire coming from it and lightning bolts going up into like a star in the sky. Correct. And then uh, over to the right. um, That I'm having a little trouble. It's a uh, Buddha. Okay, Buddha, yes.
0: Nice.
2: Got it. Okay. So it's more about recording the vision than it is necessarily the art. Like I'm not a very good artist, but um, I don't know if you know this. Some people do, some people don't, but... Uh, I was, uh, I was abducted by a UFO. (laughs) Don't worry about it. It's actually true. Uh, My mom is a psychologist, um, but uh, not only was, did it happen, but it was, um, it was documented on CNN as well, this encounter that I had had, and it changed the lights on Sutro Tower. That's why the, the Frequency 8 logo always has this Sutro Tower with white lights on it because the ship came in 1997, and it changed all the lights. They used to be red before the ship was there. And uh, so I have a, a recording of that I can show you, a hand drawing of my experience with that.
1: Oh, wow.
2: They're the ones who told me about the Godpod. Oh, this is before I saw the ships come. This was about two years before it, they actually
1: took me. Okay, so you have like uh, three or four uh, spaceships up in the air. It looks like it has some beams coming down from them. Yeah, And then yeah. a, a being down under them.
0: Mars, what was this?
1: Uh, this happened um, in 97.
0: Oh, wow.
2: This is an image that I drew um, with a little compass as to when the ship appeared. I don't know if you can see that, but uh, mm-hmm. this huge UFO appeared over the city of San Francisco. It, was, it dwarfed a, a 747. You can see it in the drawing. And um, it, it came across the sky and the way that it flew, the outside of it went in the opposite direction of the inside of it, sort of looking like um, a hubcap on a freeway where you look at the wheels and they're going backwards.
1: That's oh, right, what's right.
2: happening in the center of this. That's why I sort of tried to draw that. I don't know if you could see it. And then this is the city over here and... Um, and the little compass as to where the heading of it all. And right. it lasted about um, three minutes. And during this time, they, um, they spoke to me in a, in a, it wasn't through language, it was as, as if like, for example, um, you know, if I do this right here, watch. Hold on, wait.
1: See how the colors are changing? Oh, right. I got they you. They spoke to sure. me in,
2: in, in colors. And so different colors had different feelings. So like if it was blue, then you feel a certain way. If your room's all of a sudden blue, but then if it's all of a sudden bright red, you're going to feel a different way. And so that's sure. the best way I can explain how this communication went down. Mm. Um, and the feeling I had was that of sort of like being away at sleepaway camp for, you know, three months or whatever during summer and your parents wrote you letters saying, hey, we're gonna come visit you, which would have been that <laughs> first drawing that I had when I started seeing that. I actually have pictures of them coming over Sutro Tower before it was changed um, Wow. to the point where I, I did question my sanity and would talk to my mom about these things. And, and I would just, I just kept recording them all. But then eventually when it happened and the lights were actually changed, it became really hard for people to deal with. Like
1: <laughs> their own- They can't argue it away. What's that? They can't argue it away.
2: Right. And, and, and one of the last things that the ship had said to me before it went, because I, I had asked it, how are you, people are going to think I'm crazy. They're never going to believe me. And they said, we'll take care of that. And, um, and then it disappeared. And when I say disappeared, it wasn't like it turned off. It was as if it got pulled through a wall. Like like it got pulled out of the air almost through a hole. It's very strange like it's hard to explain, but it was very, very, very interesting. I was all shaken up because I had seen these vi- visions for probably a year and a half before it had happened and um, and so when it actually happened, and the only reason I even saw the ship is because they told me to go on the roof and meet them again, you'd be like, what are you smoking? It's true um that that well, happened. I mean, you
1: know what hey, hey, if vars here's the thing, dude. Especially recently and not too long ago, you know, when the Navy's trying to follow these, um, right. these flying, these UFOs, basically, unidentified flying objects, and they're describing what they're doing, it does not sound that far off from what you're talking about, dude. You right. know? And, so and as I'm time goes of by, by. I'm What's coming
2: that? out of the closet now, actually. In, in fact, Good. this is the first time I'm going to go public that I'm, I'm actually a hybrid. I identify as a hybrid. I can tell you things. I've been to places like I was abducted and taken to the moon and I could tell you what was there and and the reason why we hadn't gone back to the moon and these piles of trash that were there from nuclear testing that I saw, which is why we got kicked off the moon. I didn't know this stuff. I'm more like, why me? In the meantime, I'm a rave DJ making this music and like everything I was going through, I was just channeling through music. And the thing is that was interesting is that our music didn't have any any words any lyrics it was just sounds so I was so really they understand like, that
1: better i'm sure
2: and people started developing like a cult-like following around this stuff and uh getting tattoos and life-changing events around frequency eight and it was really because of what was in my opinion sort of being channeled through me for whatever reason and, um, and yeah, so this ship disappears. And then um, I get a call from one of my friends, actually Mystery at the time called me up and he said, hey man, um, you know, cause I didn't go into work at the record store that day. Cause I was all, I was, I was shaking up, man. I mean, I had tears streaming down my eyes. I I was a wreck. I was pacing. I I, I was trying to write that drawing, you know record everything that I saw and um, He said that our our mutual friend Jane had called up the store and said, hey, you got to tell Mars. Uh, CNN uh, just reported that the military is on high alert because it was an object that measured five miles in diameter that set off all the radar systems on the East Bay. So she saw that news article and called Eric. And then he called me. And I thought that that was the confirmation that they were here. Like, oh, my God, it's on CNN. This is big time, you know. But that was just the beginning of it. What happened was is that that night the lights knocked out on Sutro Tower. They used to be red. They used to be red and on a sine wave. And what I mean by that is a sine wave is like, look, yeah, it's like, um, think of a lighthouse light. It's like on, on, right, right, on, off, and they're red. Okay, all the lights were red until this happened. Now the thing is, is that when I moved to San Francisco 10 years earlier, I would only move into a place and I didn't know why, but I'd only move into a place that I had a view of Sutro Tower. Like it was as if it was like, I just wanted to fall asleep looking at God. I mean, you think about it, this thing was a giant supercharged tetrahedron, which is the most powerful shape in the universe, sticking out of the highest mountain in San Francisco and then a, it's a 1,000 feet tall.
0: It's it's a, a
2: now, this isn't surprising. This is normal. Because it, when I talk about these things, like frequency, it does interfere with, with electricity. It's one of the things they do. It's normal. I've talked about it. Lights will blow up. I've talked about it, and clocks will just turn off. We'll see how long I can talk about Hopefully, we won't get it shut down. If it doesn't get shut down, it means I'm allowed to talk about it because I've talked about things that people can't handle and shit just turns off. And I, so I'll only tell well, you- Hey, Lex,
1: just a little uh, sidebar. When James and I were getting started earlier tonight, our the, the recording stopped twice.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally I'm not bad.
1: fucking with you, dude. I'm not, I'm being dead serious. We're gonna I have to mean, edit I that part because, that. yeah. I, I, I you I do, know. I mean,
2: people who know me, they, it's as if like, you remember Casper the ghost? Yeah. I have a friendly ghost, but it's called Frequency 8, and that's not their name, because if it was their actual name, they wouldn't be what they are. It's beyond name. It's the nameless, like the Tao Te Ching, but it ex- it's a cousin of the Tao Te Ching, and it interferes with electricity. It's just because electricity, electricity is partly owned or, say, solely owned by the spirit world, leased to us in the human form.
1: Hmm.
2: Do you see see what I'm saying? Like any scientist will tell you that they they can, what, like recognize and create electricity, but they don't know where electricity comes from. Right. Yeah. You you know what I mean? It's like its own thing. I watched
1: Veritasium, which is a uh, science uh, channel on YouTube. And he was talking about how the, you know, the different frequencies and, and electricity and everything. it's, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's,
2: there's a much bigger play going on with electricity in general. And so frequency eight goes in that realm. And one of the things that they did, and I say they, because I'm saying the ship and I'll say that the ship is part of frequency eight. It was a physical manifestation of a metaphysical existence, if you will. That's what the UFOs Mm -hmm. are, right? They're going in and out of metaphysical to physical existence. Physical meaning we can see them, we can touch them. So when they did that though, they knocked out the light on Sucho tower. It was a red light that was, only three lights at the top of the tower. And I know this because like I said, when I moved to San Francisco and for 10 years, I was looking at the top of this tower. I knew every, every angle on this tower. So (laughs) the ship came and it was reported on CNN. Of course, I thought that that was, you know, that was the crescendo. That was the whole thing. I was, you know, um, I was happy with that. But then when that first light went out, I was like, wow, one of the red lights went out and my backyard looked right at the tower. It was right. I mean hate street i was just down the street from hate street and if you look it's like right over hate street the tower so it was a very clear view and i thought it was interesting the the light was out then the next day the second light was out so now two lights of the three are out on this massive tower in the middle of san francisco i i was i couldn't believe it i you know i was just very concerned about aircraft going into it and just what a safety threat that was but about the third night all three lights had gone out on the tower they were all out so by monday night all the whole tower was black the whole tower there was no lights on this tower for a week now san francisco gets foggy there's high winds i i was just i couldn't i couldn't believe what i was seeing that the tower was dark it was like the first time i it probably had ever been dark since it was erected you know 40 years earlier but it was the first time i had ever seen it dark since I lived there. Mm. And so this entire week, it was, it
1: was dark. That's then, crazy. You would think that someone would get up there and replace at least one or two of them. Cause that's fucking dangerous, dude.
2: Super dangerous,
1: super dangerous. So come Friday and Friday is a holy
2: day for frequency. eight. it happens to be the Sabbath. Okay. The sun's going down and it becomes dark. Tower's still out. I'm sitting out on the back exactly i'm sitting out in the back and all of a sudden out of nowhere the biggest flash pop in the middle of the city lights up bam bam the tower blew up like like it was a big flash like for a camera you know like chick chick chink. it was so bright it lit up the entire city because it was like fog everywhere there's this like layer of fog this mat—it looked like a massive lightning bomb was going off in the center of, of the city, and it was now all white, and it was now on a square wave, so it was on, off, on, off, and the lights were completely changed, and it's like that to this day. Oh
1: my god, dude! Yeah. Woo, I got yeah. Okay, I just got some chills. So, what do you think? There, what do you so... what do you
0: think happened there, Mars?
2: Well. The, they, they said the last thing they told me was that they said that they were going to make it known that, that they were here. And that's what they did. Mm-hmm. They made it known. And, um, you know, there's a lot of existen- exist- existential questions you can ask about this, like who gives a shit and like, or did other people see it or what's the meaning of it? And at the time, for me, it was, you know how the Rastafarians, do you know who Rastafari is? You heard of him, right? Well, so Rastafari was, Ross means prince and Tafari is his first name. So Rastafari Makonnen is Prince Tafari. Uh, he was the uh, son, I believe, of the king of Ethiopia. Well, he became elected um, to become the emperor of Ethiopia and changed his name to Haile Selassie. And in that, the rastafarians saw it as the coming of the messiah because marcus garvey had originally told them a, a prophecy that said look to ethiopia for the crowning of a new king for he shall be your redeemer and that was written in the 30s i think it was well when Haile Selassie became the emperor of ethiopia and declared that he was the 225th descendant of queen sheba and king solomon and a direct descendant of the tribe of Judah, the Rastafarians saw that as prophecy fulfilled. For me, prophecy being fulfilled was a changing of the lights on the tower. That was prophecy fulfilled. I have drawings of it from years before that this was gonna happen to the tower. I didn't know specifically what was gonna happen, but I knew that something was gonna happen with this tower. I'm looking for an old picture for of it right now that I drew. And so it, when you ask, what does it mean? It meant that everybody that i have been telling that a UFO was gonna come and something was gonna happen to Sutro, and it actually did, uh, people were just shocked. Like they didn't really know what to deal with. Like this was a drawing <laughs> that was like two years before.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, you know, I mean,
2: you have to understand like my parents, family members i would talk to them all about this stuff and then when it actually happened my mom being a psychologist was having to deal with this too and a lot of people were just numb like there really wasn't anything to say it was just a lot of pacing and a lot of sort of just yeah like what the fuck do i think
1: now (laughs) right because evaluations a lot of reevaluations i'm sure
2: the difference between like a homeless person running around saying the sky is falling and a homeless person running around saying the sky is falling and then the sky falls is the difference between a homeless person and a prophet. Right. You
1: understand? <laughs> yeah, so yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Moses yeah.
2: is crazy until, until the Red Sea parts
1: right yeah 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 right? so
2: so so now that i was questioning my own existence like how does this tie into music and parties and how come frequency 8 now is a business and how does business tie into it and to be honest it all became too overwhelming for me and i just sort of chose to put it in a hobby zone eventually and just do other things that I found interesting, mm. i.e., fly drones that look just like UFOs, I guess. But you know, <laughs> try to try to become grounded and and make sense of it. But I know that um, right now this is actually being worked on for a movie. It's the first time I'm talking about it. But the name of the movie is called The Pulse Shift, and it's a movie about what had happened on uh, with Sutro Tower. Nice, dude. Awesome, man. If you think think about the Sixth Sense, or like um, what was that movie? A Blair Witch Project, um something like that, but to know that it's a real thing that actually happened. Like you could go to this tower now. Like every time I go to San Francisco and I see the lights, you know. The square square pattern. Yeah, the square pattern and, you know, trying to like make sense of it still uh, as to why. So I met with a producer down in LA and he says to me, why did it happen? And I said, I struggle with that because it's hard to make a movie when you don't really know what the payoff is. Like, why did it happen? So it took me many, many years to figure out the ending of it, which is, well, what if, what if it happened so that I could make a movie so that people could see it and in real time, see the movie. And then we talk about the movie in the movie. And then in the movie, after the movie, we show that everybody goes down to this huge base that's at the bottom of Sutro and throws a big ass rave. (laughs) And we're doing, you know, the 303. Wow, 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 wow. And the ship comes. Bam! And it's right (laughs) over the tower. And all of a sudden, you see people floating up, like in Cocoon style. You see a baby shoe going up, a stroller going up sideways. And all of a sudden, you look down, and the dance floor is cleared, and the ship is out. That's Mm. the ending.
0: Mm. Man, Mars, I I love these. I love, like, you, you have such detailed visions, man. It's so awesome that know you took the time to like draw them out man i think like that's something that we could definitely all you know when you have those like things that like enrapture exactly you know what i mean to uh to go ahead and like kind of like make a note of it and uh you know who knows what it's supposed to be in the future right and uh mars that's awesome thank you for sharing that story publicly man I, i didn't know that and uh um dude hell yeah man and Okay, so so let's. I mean, this got way more interesting than I thought <laughs> yeah, it was going to be. Bro. Seriously, man. I mean, like, it all connects together with the Frequency 8 logo. I was going to ask you a little bit more about that, but I think we got the full story now about the uh, dude, Frequency we got to get him one here again, dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, holy man. shit. Well, we're you know, we're going to go out to Vegas again. Um, you know, we have a studio out there too, and uh, you know, we'd love to just like. Have you have you come on again the other show sometime too after hours where we kind of just uh, talk a little bit more? We about gotta make it.
1: sure the electrical system is is <laughs> is sound.
2: I've been thrown out of studios before, head first, when I used to go to Germany because every time I walk in the room, the whole fucking studio would turn off. You no, know, and, and it pissed off producers. The first time they thought it was just a fluke, but then the second time they would start to get angry, and you know it's hard to sort of defend yourself when you're like I, I it's what am I yes. <laughs> We'll make sure the studio is up and running. And also, too, now there's a frequency 8 radio at f8radio.com. Yes, I
0: wanted to ask you about that. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that new project of yours?
2: Yeah, so um, I'm, I was asked to, to be the host uh, on the first EDM radio show in 20 years in Vegas. Mm. And Saturday nights from 8 to 10, uh, excuse me, from 10 to midnight. It was originally supposed to be um, from 8 to 10 on Sundays. But they got so excited the station that they changed it and we went prime time from ten to
1: midnight. Nice. So um this week and will that's be- Vegas time, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's- Bro- for all listeners around the world, what is it? What is Vegas time? I forget which uh, Pacific time. Mountain, it's Pacific time. No, it's Pacific. It's the same, as here. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. What the fuck am I thinking? I'm sorry. But, go but ahead. It, you know, you've had some heavy hitters. I just want to make sure people got the right information. Yeah, and you know when to fucking tune in. You know. That's true. We got people from all over the world listening to this podcast, so uh, definitely for, Vegas time. But uh, go ahead, Mars.
2: Oh yeah, so it's just it's from 91.5 FM. It's Vegas. An FM terrestrial station from two hours every Saturday night. Our first guest was paul oakenfold
0: hell yeah it's so crazy man oh. <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying even teacher knows uh, that name right you know what i mean hell so yeah. so are you doing this weekly yeah every week dude that's awesome man dude.
2: always looking for a cool you know talent to bring on the show new tracks to feature new artists um i have a little flyer i can send you if you want to post up or whatever so oh yeah
0: yeah definitely and like i said we have a studio out in vegas man and we're going to have you on the show again, Mars. And i, I love to just let, let me know about the next event like you guys have. You know, I want to come out and support. And uh, also, like I said, man, you, you know, we got we to gotta do some work together. I, I, you know, it, it's an honor to have you on our, on our show, man. And, uh, you know, you're one of my heroes, man, for the electronic dance music scene. And I'm just honored to have you on the show. Yeah, this please. is
1: like one of my favorite fucking interviews ever. Dude. <laughs> this is uh, it blew my mind. Thank you. Thank you very much for you're uh, in Vegas.
0: Uh, you know what? Um, my host Domo, she, uh, does another show called green room radio. You're going to love it, man. We've been in that, you've been in a studio before teach, right? You, you know what I mean? Oh, we yeah. Record. yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, I have a lot of, fr- I have a friend, uh, Sophie D she's a, uh, or she's, she's ex porn star. You know, she has like a lot of, uh, you know, followers on Instagram, man. We've had her on the show too. Um, yeah. So, uh, when I, when I go out there next time, I've been talking to them about making a trip and, uh, you know uh doing an episode i'm gonna there. come with
1: you dude <laughs> oh, yeah yeah <laughs> i exactly. want to meet this guy
2: <laughs> you want to see my god pod real quick
0: yes yes yes, yes.
2: please ah, a couple things this is a studio right here this is He's
0: my krk speakers monitors nice nice got some synths there
2: oh look i got a 303 also like a legit can you see that
0: man that's awesome See, I don't even know how to work all this hardcore equipment, man. I'm just an in-the-box guy, but it's so cool to see all that, yeah. Nice. You got some, a little salt lamp with a, a little, uh, what do you call that, Morris?
2: The Ark of the Covenant.
0: Mm. Nice. Right.
2: And that's that's the uh, logo from the uh, Mysteries Within CD. Oh, I played a harp. I don't
0: know if you can see that. Oh,
2: my God. Nice. That's a full <laughs> the- Right here. <laughs>
0: Oh dude, yeah. that's awesome, man. Is that is that to help you kind of stay grounded? Oh, quote unquote, a dude. little bit?
2: I don't know, man. I just built it.
0: It's so I cool, man.
2: Said, here we can sit. I mean to keep me grounded, yeah, I guess. So, I there's a little flame up here. It's definitely to Go in it. Like I had people go in it and their teeth hurt and I say like, "What do you mean your teeth hurt?" And they'll say, "I don't know. Like I I just don't understand. My teeth are starting to hurt." and uh ultimately it's because we find out that they have silver fillings
1: oh oh wow
2: there's a lot of things that thing will do to you i sit in it because that particular shape was given to me by five frequency eight those Mm. exact dimensions it's all copper um it's built to their specs and so i just sit in it and sometimes i sit in it to think sometimes i think i sit in it to meditate sometimes i think i i sit in it to think and about like a text i'm making you know like it doesn't have to be a deep reason that i'm there i just like to sit in it it just feels very
1: i want to come sit in it (laughs) can i come sit in it yeah you you could do your podcast from it it's it it should I don't know. I mean, I may be a little afraid to do a podcast. Me. Like, <laughs> be like, start medium in like, you know, from frequency eight or something like that. Who knows? It's but- all
2: good, though. That's the thing. Like, that's one of the things that they told me is that everything is good. And they said that, that bad is only a concept made up by humans.
0: So, Mars, have you like done it, any you have you haven't partaken in anything more than like uh, just just weed, basically. Right. Is that like your main yeah. thing or
2: I like mushrooms, too.
0: Okay, um, I was just curious. Yeah,
2: I like mushrooms, but um, most of the contact that I I've had from them uh, has been either sober or in my dreams.
0: Oh, okay. It nice man.
2: Out of nowhere, you know. Um, but they're very clear. They speak English now. It used to just be that originally, when they started talking to me, it was in shapes.
0: Yeah, in lights. <clears> you <throat> said that's that's so crazy, man.
2: Now it's English, so I they can tell me things very. Anything I wanna know, I can ask any question and I'll, I'll get an answer for anything, really.
0: That's awesome, man.
2: Except like, obviously, winning lotto um, numbers. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a, as a negative thing, the reason that they would explain that that, I'm not getting that is because there's too much contrast that's built up around the concept of money. It's mm. not it's not that they can't do it, it's, it's more my own reception to it because When there's so much like when money is so powerful and the way that you're raised influences how you believe in it. So if I have to manifest something small, that's not hard to do because there's not a lot of resistance. But when you're talking about millions of dollars, that starts to clog the neurons for it to work in the same way. So Mm. it's not that it's harder to get that. It's harder for me to clear out all the resistance that I have learned on this planet about this particular energy
0: called money. Dude, Mars, thank you so much. It's been an honor, man. And next time we're in Vegas, like uh, I said, I'm, I'm going to let, let me know for the next show. Teach, you said you wanted to come. I know we dude, gotta we, we owe the people in Vegas another, another show. We got a lot of network out there. We'll take them out to the parties that Mars is throwing, man. So, uh, you know, I, I can't wait, man. It, it, I have got
2: a, a residency at the Sahara too. So you oh, actually come to yeah. that.
0: Yeah, you know, you know, we, you know, we, we've been this has been in the making for a long time. I'm so happy we finally did it, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, I look forward to just working with you a lot more, especially after this, man. I feel like, you know, working with you together, it's good. I energy. look forward to meeting you and
1: sitting in your little god pub, bro.
0: Anytime. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you so Thanks, much. Man. Now, tell us uh, what what,
2: wonderful, what do you think.
0: What, what should, where should they follow you real quick? If uh, you know, what what social media are are, are you checking, or you know, how should people reach out to you? If they... so,
2: um, my Instagram is at djmarsf8, and um, I can be easily found at just djmars.com, and that's a dope website right or URL anyway.
0: <laughs> awesome.
2: Djmars.com, right? It's, it's dope, and that just goes to my Facebook page.
0: Awesome! Awesome, Mars. Thanks so much, man. It's been an honor. Uh, the audience, follow us at PCTP Show. Leave us a review on iTunes. Love you guys. Take care and peace. at LA Gallery, Check out the shop as I'm a teacher's original artwork, some stickers and also other merch coming at you from some of the guests on our show. Thank you very much. Peace. Peace.